right, so before we get into this football game and we break down Patriots Raiders coming up on Sunday, I have some bigger questions that need to be answered by this team on Sunday that have really nothing to do with the game of football and X's and O's and strategy. First of all, is this team willing to tune out the noise? Because there has been a ton of noise happening around them all week. You had the Henry McKenna report after the game against the Saints, uh, protecting Mac Jones, calling the offense garbage. You had Jeff Howe's report, Robert Kraft, people around Kraft, certainly sending the message to Bill Belichick that if things don't turn around quickly, he's going to be gone. You had the Doug Kide, Andrew Callahan column yesterday on Mac Jones with lots and lots of quotes, especially quotes from people within the facility sharing their doubt about the quarterback. There is lots of noise surrounding this team. Can they tune it out? Can they just distract themselves? from that noise and focus on the task at hand, which is winning a game on Sunday. That's the first question. Do they trust each other? Is there confidence? Stories and leaks and questions. Can they tune all of that out? My next question is, does this team want to tune out the noise? Do they actually want to play this game? Do they care? Many people watching on Sunday, including myself, would say that's a team at times that looked like they were disinterested in doing anything. So do they want to play this game? Do they care? How many guys in that locker room right now are thinking this is a lost cause? We're one and four. We've got Buffalo and Miami after this weekend. We've got to travel across the country to Vegas. This thing is a mess. Belichick is likely gone. As we discussed yesterday, one-third of this locker room are free agents. Do they feel committed to the program? Do they believe in the program? So can they tune out the noise? And do they want to tune out the noise? Do they care about playing? Because no matter what, no matter what I discussed today on the show about X's and O's and what the Patriots offense might be able to do, what the Patriots defense needs to do, that is not going to matter if you have a team that just doesn't care anymore. And none of that is going to matter if you have a team that is distracted by everything else surrounding them. It's not going to matter if your quarterback is hearing the whispers, if he's seeing the ghosts, and he just doesn't have it mentally or emotionally as we walk into this game on Sunday. The X's and O's just won't matter. Speaking of the quarterback, can Mac take baby steps on Sunday? I'm not expecting a big leap. He's broken. And when somebody is broken, when an athlete is broken, you look for baby steps. You look for small steps towards progress. I'm not expecting Mac Jones to go out there and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and be this completely different guy. If it happens, fantastic. But can Mac take the baby steps? Now, what would be the baby steps? First of all, don't turn the football over. If you're going to get sacked, tuck the football and take the sack. You cannot turn the football over. I don't think Mac has to be great this weekend. There's obviously no belief in Bailey Zappi, and there shouldn't be, the way he played in the preseason and has played in garbage time. Will Greer is still learning the program. So I don't think Mac has to be spectacular against the Raiders, but the first step is don't turn the damn ball over, especially early in the fourth quarter like we saw last week against the Saints. Don't turn it over. That would be a baby step. Footwork. Where are your feet at in the pocket? 
Are you all messed up? Are you stepping into throws? Or are you feeling pressure when pressure's not even there? And your footwork totally off, flat-footed, parallel to the line of scrimmage, all of those kinds of things. Where's the footwork? Can we see better footwork from Mac? Because that would be a positive baby step towards progress. Where are his eyes? Now, guys aren't open consistently with this offense. We've talked about it. But when guys are open, where's Mac's eyes? Is he seeing those guys open? Is he reading what he's supposed to be reading out there? Footwork. Eyes. Lack of turnovers. Confidence. Is Mac Jones going to look like a confident quarterback on Sunday? If he goes out there in the first or second drive, he already looks like he's doubting himself. We know how that story is going to end. Is he going to show better poise in the pocket? Try to trust his offensive line. I know it's difficult to do, but try to trust that offensive line. Those are the baby steps Mac has to take. And he doesn't have to be fabulous in all of them. But just don't turn the football over. Show us better footwork and, and better eyes. Show us better poise and show us some more confidence. Because if, if we don't see that from Mac, he's going to remain broken and this team is not going to have a chance. Another thing I'm wondering, big question that has nothing to do with X's and O's. Can this team start over? Or are they mentally ready to start over? Now, I think starting over means fundamentals. I think we'll see a lot of safe football, so to speak. I think we'll see a lot of running on Sunday from the running backs. I think we'll see a lot less passes from Mac Jones. I think they'll simplify this offense. You might have a lot of 12 personnel out there. Is this team willing to start over? Do they believe in starting over? Do they believe that simplifying everything is going to work? Do they believe playing more conservative is going to work? Will we see new personnel? I think we'll see new personnel on the offense. We'll talk about that in a minute. And finally, this does have to do with football. Are we going to see a cleaner operation? Are we going to see a cleaner operation for the Patriots? And what I mean by that is less penalties, less pre-snap penalties, better coaching decisions. Are we going to see that play out? Situational football. Are we going to see good situational football? Because that comes down to the operation. Bill Belichick versus Josh McDaniels. McDaniels has proven he's not a very good head coach. His decision-making leaves a lot to be desired. And Belichick has struggled with his decision-making over the past few years. We've talked about it, especially on fourth down. If this is not a clean operation, you're screwed. If the guys are ready to play, if the guys have tuned out the noise, if Mac is trying to take those baby steps and shows us that he has the ability to take those baby steps, if the team is willing to embrace the idea of starting over in week five of the season, all of that is not going to matter if the operation is clumsy. So those are the bigger thoughts as we get ready for Sunday. I want to remind you, before I get to the Patriots offense versus the Raiders defense, uh, Cattles on Causeway, my Celtics podcast. We will be doing a live post-game podcast on Wednesday, October 25th. That is opening night for the Celtics at Madison Square Garden. You can join me live on the pod, YouTube, 
You can jump in with your comments. We'll go back and forth and talk about the game. Should be a lot of fun. Apple Pod, Spotify, YouTube. We're all over the place. The Nick Cattle Show. Like, rate, review, and subscribe. Take a second of your time. And I know it's very important time that you have, but take a second of your time and click that thumbs up that you see at the bottom because that means an awful lot. That helps us grow. Also, comment. I love going back and forth. Do you disagree with me? Agree with me? Am I an idiot? Do you enjoy what I'm saying and agree with what I'm saying? Comments mean an awful lot as well. Apple Pod, Spotify, YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. All right, let's get into the Patriots offense. The first question I have, because we, we talked about Mac. I gave you everything that Mac has to do. So let's look at some other pieces here. Wide receiver. Tyquan Thornton, is he going to play? Not sure. Kayshawn Booty, is he going to play? Not sure. I would lean towards likely because as we know, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demario Douglas have both not been on the practice field, both in the concussion protocol. And usually the way this goes in the NFL in 2023, guys that have concussions and get placed in the protocol, they usually miss at least one week. I would not expect Juju or Demario to be out there on Sunday, which means you've got two open spots at receiver. Is Jalen Rager going to get a shot? Don't know. Tyquan Thornton was on the practice field two days in a row. Seems like he's making progress. It's about that time to get the second round pick in a game to see if he could show us anything. I would absolutely play Booty on Sunday and hope that he has learned to keep both feet in bounds. I don't think you have much to lose. One in four team. You got Buffalo, Miami coming up. Go with some of the young talent at receiver. Juju's given you nothing. Devontae Parker has given you nothing. What do you have to lose? Is your offense going to get worse with those receivers? I mean, you didn't score points last week. You scored three points the last two weeks. How much worse can it get? So I would love to see Tyquan Thornton and Kayshawn Booty out there on Sunday to see if they can give this team anything. And I'd play them a decent amount of snaps as long as Tyquan is healthy. I think Tyquan's speed can help this offense, even if he doesn't produce consistent results. I think just the speed element, getting vertical, is going to help some of the underneath stuff that Mac is really good at completing because Mac is still really good between, between 10 and 20 yards statistically. So, you know, you have to open up that underneath, and I think Thornton helps that by getting vertical. I'm very interested to see how Bill O'Brien utilizes Thornton as well. If you guys followed me on Twitter last year and follow me on X now at Nick C Radio, if you want to follow me at Nick C Radio, I tweeted out a lot last year. I didn't think Matt Patricia did a good job of utilizing Thornton. He was asking Thornton to win a lot of routes off the line of scrimmage. He wasn't using Thornton's speed. He wasn't using Thornton in motion. I'll give you an example. Tyreek Hill. What does Mike McDaniel do with Hill? In Miami, we see it all the time now. He's got Hill moving before the snap. Hill runs into his routes through the line of scrimmage. How about some screens with Thornton? Get him some blockers in front. Utilize that speed. I think Thornton can help. And I think Booty can help. I think Booty is a better version at this point of Juju Smith-Schuster. Again, if he can keep his feet in bounds. He's that kind of a guy. He can run the slants and take him to the house. We saw that in the preseason. Saw that at LSU when he played well. I think those guys can help. If the wide receivers don't stink, here's the good news. We've talked about this over and over and over again uh, this season and, and really the last few years. 
what's been the biggest issue for this passing offense since going back to like 2018? It's been man coverage because the Patriots receivers have not been able to beat man coverage consistently, right? Last week, Saints, man coverage. Dallas, man coverage. You get the point. Here's the good news. The Raiders, they're not good at man coverage. The Raiders, and thanks to Evan Lazar, who posted this on X this week, uh, Next Gen Stats, when you look at this, the Raiders, they run man 26% of the time, which is 20th in the NFL. So they don't run a lot of man coverage. It's not what they like to do. Nate Hobbs, their best cornerback, likely going to be out this weekend. So they don't run a lot of man. And when they do run man, they've been awful. Passing yards per attempt, worst in the league. Passer rating, 27th, 114.5 is the defensive pass is, is the passer rating against this defense when they're in man coverage. Brutal. The EPA per attempt is 31st in the league. So suck, suck, and suck. That's what this Raiders defense has shown us when they try to play man. And that's why they've only run it the 20th most in the league because they know it's a weakness. So that should not be a problem this weekend. This is not a game where we should expect the wide receivers to be clamped down at the line of scrimmage. We should anticipate lots of zone by the Raiders. And, and, and I would imagine Bill O'Brien is anticipating that. Now, they might play man because they think the Patriots are so bad at beating man. That would be interesting to watch. You've got a terrible offense against man coverage, and you've got a terrible man coverage defense. Which one wins out? But we'll see. Going off of history here, going off of what the Raiders have done this season, they do not run a lot of man, and when they do, it's been wretched. That's good news for this passing offense. It's good news for Mac. Not so good news for Mac is that if you go back to last year, if we think this is going to be easy-peasy, one-two-threesy against this Raiders defense, go back to last season. Mac Jones had one of his worst performances before the last two weeks. He had one of his worst performances in a Patriots uniform last year against the Raiders. He was not good. 13 for 31 with 112 passing yards. Ugh. So we should not just take this for granted that Mac's going to walk out onto the field and blister this defense. He didn't do it last year. What about the offensive line? Can the Patriots solidify this offensive line? Is Cole Strange healthy? Do they have Riley Reef at right tackle? I would try it. Vidarian Lowe has been the worst tackle in football. And I said a few weeks ago that they should try low because it was bad, right? City so wasn't working. What they were trying wasn't working. Calvin Anderson wasn't working. So try Vidarian Low. Low has actually been worse than those guys. So now move away from Low. You brought in Reef to play right tackle. I know he wasn't great during camp, but is he better than Vidarian Low? I would hope so. So if you're healthy, I would roll out the offensive line that we thought would be the O-line back in April, May, right? We, we thought, look, Trent Brown left tackle, Coach Strange left guard, David Andrews center, right guard Michael Wenu, and also right tackle Riley Reef. Throw it out there and see what happens. I don't think they're going to put Owenu at right tackle. They already would have tried that. Bill's on record saying he thinks Owenu is a guard. So are those guys healthy? Do you roll out that offensive line to try to solidify it? Because we know the, the results have been bad. You know, the last three weeks, the highest pressure rate 
by game that Mac Jones has faced in his career, according to Next Gen Stats. The three highest pressure rates. The highest pressure rate he's ever faced was the Cowboys game, 50%. The second most he's ever faced, the Saints last weekend. And the Saints, they're not a great pass rush team. They still got almost 46% pressure rate on Mac last week. The Jets, third highest. Week four of the week three of this year, 41.4%. So literally, the last three weeks, Mac Jones has faced the highest pressure rates by game that he has ever faced before. Three weeks in a row. So can they get that offensive line going? And not all of it is on Mac. You know, Travis May, formerly of SB Nation and Fantasy Pros, he came out with this statistic this week, sack probability over expected. Look, there's some of Mac Jones turning the football over instead of taking a sack, right? Throwing it into the ground instead of taking a sack. But when you look at the amount of sacks and the probability that that sack is on the quarterback, Mac is actually the second best quarterback in football according to Travis May. And again, there's some funkiness to this stat, but I still think it gives you an idea of how much Mac is to blame versus the offensive line. Mac Jones is the second best quarterback in getting out of a sack in the NFL. He's the second best QB at doing that. He's behind Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, when you look at it again, don't turn it over, but Mac has done a pretty good job of escaping Sacks, considering all of the pressure that he's faced. Second best in the league. By the way, who has Max Crosby? Figure it out. Micah Parsons destroyed you in that Dallas game. Crosby's a beast. And what the Patriots have done, which just has mystified me, the Patriots have gone one-on-one with some of these best pass rushers. Having, you know, Vidarian Lowe on an island against Micah Parsons at times. Recipe for disaster. Figure out a way to slow Max Crosby down. Chip him with a tight end. Chip him with a back. Leave a back in the backfield to protect Mac from Crosby taking this over. And, you know, Crosby's really the only guy for the Raiders, right? I mean, Chandler Jones was supposed to be that guy on the opposite end. We all know what's going on with Chandler. Hopefully he gets well. The Tyree Wilson, their draft pick. Top draft pick in April. He has not shown out yet. So Crosby is the only legitimate, consistent pass rusher on this team, and he is one of the best in the league. You've got to handle him. Can the Patriots run the football? Big-time question. Vegas is 21st against the run in the league. Last year, I talked about Mac struggling against the Raiders. The reason why the Patriots were able to move the ball and score some points in that game mostly had to do with the run game. They ran for over 200 yards against the Raiders last year. Now, the way they did that was they utilized the tight ends an awful lot in the blocking game, which begs the question, how much will Farrow Brown play this weekend? Can Hunter Henry show that he is an above-average blocker consistently in this game? And how much does Mike Gesicki play? Because we know Gesicki's not a blocker. So is this one of those games where Gesicki doesn't play a lot? We'll have to see. But the Patriots have to run the football. They have to run the ball. And if the Patriots do run the ball, if Mac takes those baby steps and we see some good drives from this offense, they should be able to finish those drives. Vegas is 25th in the league in red zone defense. 
So that's the offense versus defense breakdown. Patriots D versus Raiders offense coming up. Also a significant, significant Red Sox story came out today from Sean McAdam, MassLive.com. We'll get to that as well. Significant story about the Red Sox and their GM search. We'll get to that. I remind you, like, rate, review, and subscribe. Apple Pod, Spotify, YouTube. Don't forget to click that thumbs up and to subscribe on YouTube if you enjoy what we do here on the program. Patriots defense versus Raiders offense. Um, You got Josh McDaniels, right? And from the outside looking in, if you just look at the pieces, you would think this offense should be really good. McDaniels, offensive coordinator, smart guy, offensively, runs a good scheme. So you got Josh McDaniels, and of course you got Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Josh Jacobs. You drafted Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Good, good, good tight end. And yes, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm biased, but the dude is good, like really good. So when you look at the pieces, this offense should be good, but the offense has stunk. Looking at the Raiders' offensive numbers. Now, I don't want you to just remember all of these numbers individually. I just want you to take the bigger picture out of this, okay? So with all of those pieces and McDaniels calling the offense, the Raiders are 29th in points per game, 29th in yards per game, 26th in points per play, 25th in yards per play. They're 29th when it comes to third down defense. The one thing they've done really well is convert fourth downs. <laughs> Maybe McDaniels should send the fourth down and short package to the Patriots because the Patriots have been brutal in short yardage. But you look at uh, the fourth down conversion rate, that's number two in the NFL, so they've done well. I don't know the sample size, but they've done well. 20th in red zone scoring, and that's just because they did a pretty good job against Green Bay. Before that, they were one of the worst red zone offenses in football, and uh, you know it's just not good. They're 30th in giveaways. You think the Patriots have problems with turnovers. The Raiders have even more problems with turnovers, starting at quarterback. So no matter what statistic you look at, points per game, yards per game, points per play, yards per play, third down, uh, conversion percentage, red zone, this offense has stunk giveaways. They've stunk. Inevitably, it's it's whether or not the Patriots can get a pass rush going because the Pats pass rush was non-existent on Sunday against the Saints. Not a good sign. First game without Matthew Judon, you could not get pressure on Derek Carr. And what the Patriots tried to do was they tried to blitz. They blitzed almost 50% of the time last week. That is an astronomical number. And even though they blitzed almost 50% of the time, they had a less than like 25% pressure rate. That's awful. When you're blitzing almost 50% of the time, you need to be getting some big, big pressure rate numbers. You know, 35 to 40%. And they weren't anywhere near that against the Saints. So they were trying to blitz to create some pressure, and it failed. So you're not getting pressure with your four. You didn't get pressure last week when you blitzed almost 50% of the time. How are you going to get pressure? Josh Uche needs to be much better. Keon White, can he get something going? He's shown inconsistencies. As a rookie, you would expect it. But can Keon White give you something? They have to get pass rush. The Vegas offensive line analytically actually shows out pretty well. Pass pro, that composite ranking that I like to use, using, you know, three different analytical sites. The composite pass pro ranking is actually seventh for the Raiders, but they've been very off and on. And on the interior of that offensive line, there's some weakness. Can Christian Barmore get something going? Can Wise, can, again, Keon White get something going in that middle of the line? Can you get a rush on Jimmy G up the middle? 
Can you rattle him a little bit? Because if you get pressure on Jimmy, Jimmy's going to turn the football over. There's a lot of similarities between what you need to do against Mac Jones and what you need to do against Jimmy Garoppolo. Against Jimmy G, you have to take away the middle of the field, just like against Mac. Take away the middle of the field. Take away the seam. Take, take away the intermediate routes. That's what you have to do against Jimmy. Force him to hold on to the football. Get to option two, option three, read two, read three, because he will turn it over. Garoppolo has seven picks this year, which is actually more picks than Mac, and Jimmy's played one last game than Mac Jones. Garoppolo will turn it over. Question that I have is how much zone will we see? You don't have Christian Gonzalez anymore. The Patriots played, you know, a decent amount of zone last week. How much zone will we see against Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Michael Mayer? How will they defend Adams? Now, this offense, part of the issue for the Raiders, it's really been Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, or bust. Those guys have a bunch of targets and everybody else pretty much not eating at all. Hunter Renfro is almost non-existent. Uh, this this offense has not done a good job targeting Michael Mayer. I think he had three targets last week, which was his highest targeted game. I'm interested to see if McDaniels utilizes the tight end more against the Patriots defense. Who will actually defend Michael Mayer? You have to erase that intermediate middle of the field. One other issue which could be a big problem for the Patriots on Sunday, free safety. Free safety play has not been very good. They've tried Kyle Duggar. That has taken Duggar away from the box. It, it has made him a, a much less impactful player. And it's been ineffective for the most part. And now we hear that Duggar is on the injury report. He was eight, he was added late yesterday with a foot issue. That's not good. He was a full practice guy, full participation guy on Wednesday. Then he pops up on the injury report yesterday with a foot problem. That's usually not a good sign because it means that the guy was completely healthy on Wednesday, and then all of a sudden something happened. Something happened during Wednesday's practice. The best example of this in comp is Jonathan Jones. Jonathan Jones, same deal, right? He was healthy. He was practicing. All of a sudden popped up on the injury report. Next thing we know, Jonathan Jones misses what? Three weeks. The run game hasn't been good for the Raiders, even though they have Josh Jacobs, 30th in yards per carry, 32nd in yards per game. Jacobs looked better last week. He looked better in the second half. If you get full throttle Jacobs, you got to be able to play in the box and limit that guy because he could kill you. All right, my prediction's coming up. Also a significant Red Sox story that we have to get to. Like, rate, review, and subscribe. But here is my prediction. There's opportunity for the Patriots this weekend. This game is a game that if the Patriots were playing even good football, they'd have a chance to win. There is opportunity. Raiders not good in man coverage. Overall, weak defensively. Pass rush hasn't been good from them. If you limit Max Crosby, their offense, I just went over the numbers, their offense hasn't been very good. There's opportunity. Here's the other side, though. The Patriots have been outscored 72-3 to the last two weeks. Mac looks broken. And now he has to face Josh McDaniels, who really, I would imagine, drove him nuts last year in Vegas. And that's why Mac's numbers were bad. What does McDaniels know about Mac? He has to know what bothers Mac, gets under his skin, and how to attack him. So you've got Mac, who looks broken, going against his former offensive coordinator, who last year certainly looked like he knew something about the quarterback. 
And this is an offense that did a bad job against Micah Parsons, like I said earlier. Do we have any confidence that they'll be able to at least limit Crosby on Sunday? I'm picking the uh, Raiders in this game. The Raiders are a minus three favorite. I'm picking the Raiders to cover that minus three. And I'm going to go with the under because I just don't trust this Patriots offense. I cannot pick the Patriots with any kind of good conscience. I can't pick this football team to win a game if Mac has not shown that he is like no longer broken. Mac needs to show he's not broken. This offense needs to show that they can actually move the damn ball. There's no way I can pick the Patriots. Again, winnable game. If they get their ass together, winnable game. If Mac doesn't look like he's freaking out, winnable game. But how in the world, after seeing this team get outscored 72-3 to and seeing this quarterback look broken two weeks in a row, how in the world can you pick him? So I'm picking the Raiders minus three. I'd go with the under because I just don't trust the Patriots offense right now. All right, final thing to talk about today, Red Sox. The Red Sox are having trouble hiring a GM. Having trouble with their GM search. This is from Sean McAdam, Mass Live Today. According to multiple sources, Sox have been met with a number of rejections by some targeted candidates as they seek to find a replacement to replace Heim Bloom. Some of those prospective hires have been put off. Not good. Put off by the level of turnover that's taken place in baseball operations over the last dozen years or so. McAdam continues, and increasingly sources add, there's concern about the surrounding infrastructure. The new hire will not only be inheriting Alex Cora, but also a front office that includes several executives who have been part of the organization for more than two decades. Chris Cotillo from uh, Mass Live, he weighs in. Industry speculation is rampant that the Red Sox are getting told no by tons of perceived top candidates. Great. Just great. Everything's fine. Told no by tons. How far down the list are they now? Here's our top two GM candidates. All right, let's go to the top four. Okay, let's go to the top 10. Well, let's get to the top 20. One former National League general manager told Cotillo, quote, it's not viewed, the GM job for the Red Sox, it's not viewed as an attractive gig. John Henry's circus has done irreparable damage to this GM search. This is not a serious search. How can it be a serious search for a serious candidate when you have this Alex Cora situation looming over all of it? I've mentioned this a couple of times in the pod for the first month plus. I mean, Alex Cora is making some big decisions here. He's making decisions that will impact the future of this team. He's making decisions that will impact 2024. What serious candidate is going to look at this and say, oh, yeah, I want that job? Not only do you have the turnover as McAdam brought up, but you have Alex Cora going out there saying Chris Sale is going to be our number one starter next year. And I know he had some caveats, but he's out there proclaiming Sale as the number one guy if all goes well. He's going out there and saying that Rafi Devers is going to be the starting third baseman. He's he's going out there and, and making sure that, you know, he is having all of these statements about what this team is about and what this team, team needs to look like. 
You you just just fired a bunch of guys off the staff. Dave Bush is gone. Carlos Fabless is gone. Not saying they didn't deserve it. But if you're if you're a prospective GM, the Celtics, the Celtics, the Red Sox call you. Say the, say the Red Sox call you and they say, we want to interview you for the for the GM job. Okay, well, first of all, you've fired GMs every couple of years. Uh, there's been dirt thrown on the dead body of Heim Bloom over the last few weeks in the media. What is ownership going to do? What direction are you going? Are you going to spend more money? What what are the expectations for me as the new GM? I, I have to inherit a front office that is littered with Red Sox lifers, so I can't bring my own people in. How much of the staff can I can I actually get rid of if I want to get rid of them? Stability matters. Infrastructure matters. Ownership matters. If you are a GM on the list of the Red Sox, how in the world can you trust any of it? How can you trust ownership? How can you trust the stability? How can you trust a front office that's going to be littered with these lifers that might not believe in what you're trying to do, might be looking out for themselves? How can you trust any of this? How can you believe in any of this? How can you believe in the direction? It's messy. You don't have say on the on the coaching staff. You have Cora, who's pretty much acting as a quasi-GM right now, as your manager. Why would this job be sexy to anybody? Unless you were desperate. I've said it in the prior pods. This screams internal promotion. Either internal promotion or a nondescript hire. We already know this. According to the reports today, tons of prospective candidates have turned this team down. Tons. So what are we going to get to? Choice number 35 on the list? Brutal. The GM search is a bleep show for the Red Sox. But don't worry, Eddie Romero apparently has sat down for an official interview. So there is that. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Don't forget, uh, your support means an awful lot to us. Everybody have a great weekend. Have some fun. Be safe. We'll be back early in the week. Aside from some breaking news, if news breaks, we'll be all over it. But uh, we'll be back on Monday to recap Patriots Raiders to see whether or not Bill Belichick's Patriots went to Vegas and responded. Till then, it's the Nick Cattle Show.